Welcome to the Send Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss horse health, nutrition, training and performance. Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Send Nutrition Podcast. You're with your host Brian today and this is episode 54 and I have a very special guest who is the co-champion of the Race to Ranch event on that Cowgirls Gathering weekend at Kilkeven and it is Brittany Flynn. How are you? Hey guys, I'm good. How's everything with the dust settling after Darlene's win uh, in that event? Oh, yeah, it's honestly been um, it's been a massive come down. <laughs> the first week was just crazy, and you know, it's uh, I feel like I'm only just settling. Three weeks out, I feel like I'm just mm. settling back into normal life. So it was a big build up to this event, I must say. It was, it was especially on social media. Yes, it was. It was a huge. Um, it was a huge journey to mm. share and I kind of felt like even though the event was only three days, yeah. I felt like it was actually like a hundred day event <laughs> <laughs> because it was the whole journey of it was such a big part of the end result. Yeah, yeah. And that end result for you and Darlene, I'll just list them here. You, you were first in the ranch versatility, fourth in raining, third in the cowgirl, Oh, cow work, cow girl, cow work, and uh, first in the freestyle, and I saw that freestyle video, which we might try and share, and it's just, Brittany, just amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, um, it's even more amazing when um, I tell you the backstory to my freestyle. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> which, which was, um, I kind of had this idea that I wanted to use a garotcha, but... Oh. I had never done it before and I just watched some um, YouTube videos on it and then I asked James to make me a garage <laughs> and he just got, we just got two pieces of dowel from the hardware and a bit of water pipe and like stuck them Made together. <laughs> well, it was effective. It, re- it seriously worked and it was so much fun for something that I'd only, I hadn't actually practiced with her. I'd only practiced it once before. Yeah. I pulled it off and actually really enjoyed myself. Like yeah. I was just out there having fun. Yeah, no, that, that's that's fantastic. And for people, or for our listeners that don't know this Race to Ranch event, it was held by the Cowgirls Gathering where there was 10 trainers that came into the possession of an off-the-track thoroughbred in the recent, I think, is it three months? Yeah, we was, it was about 110 to 120 days out yeah. from the event. Yeah, yeah we had to keep them and couldn't touch them until the start date yeah for, yeah that, that hundred day and it was to showcase the off the track thoroughbreds in their ability to try to be transformed into a ranch horse into those ranch activities and Brittany actually had a little bit of even more time pressure because she had to unfortunately not proceed with her original horse Gus yeah yeah he Got a stifle injury, and I, I don't know if it was, you know, kind of brewing just before I got him, and sort of happened just as I got him. But I really noticed it on my first ride on the first of June, and I thought, oh, hopefully that's nothing. But it didn't end up being nothing. It ended up getting quite worse, and a couple of weeks into the competition, about three weeks into the competition, I really had to make a call. I had to say, you know, do I spell him and lose more time and he might not be okay or do I just make a decision and go he's not going to be able to be sound for the competition and 
just try and find myself another hall. Yeah, and I think looking back through my emails, Brittany, when you sort of you did approach us, I think it was in May, said are you interested or is Sen interested in coming on board to showcase the products with the off the track thoroughbred to ranch horse project? And I looked at it and I said, gee, this is a really interesting event and had a chat to the team and thought, yeah, let's do it because Brittany was familiar with our products before and even more so coming out the other end of you being co-champion and the horse powered on scent is a is a really nice achievement or, or something that we say here in the office. And then, as you said, Gus was retired from the event and then to put more time pressure on, then you had to find another horse and that was Darlene. Yes. Yeah, and I actually did like a flying trip to New South Wales to get her because I'm in um, like quite remote Queensland, yeah, and well. I had a just I had somebody, a beautiful friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, put their hand up and say, "Yes, we have one," but it's it's down in the Hunter Valley of New South Wales, and so I literally just got on my tra- in my tra- my car in my trailer and drove, mm. and um, I think I arrived. I think I, had, I stopped somewhere on the side of the road and camped for about four hours and wow. then kept going. And Yeah, and then I picked her up and then I just turned around and drove the ten and a half hours back home again. So wow. it was Darlene that was on my trailer and um, she had recent, her last race was the, 20, oh, the 20th of May, I think yeah, it was. Wow. Fresh. Yeah. And so she had been spelled for I'm guessing close to a month when I got her and um, yeah it was it it was hard because I had Mm. all these visions of Gus and I was really attached to Gus and I was he was going really well and he was a bush a country race horse and so I really felt like much better suited whereas Darlene was this you know, inner city metro like <laughs> racehorse, and I was thinking, what have I got myself into? <laughs> she's um, and she's quite young too. I think she's four. She, she was, yeah. yeah. She she was um one of the youngest in the competition. Yeah. Yeah, and I, from that brand on her, it's I think a Tory Burn stud bred and um, raced under Kerry Parker at Kembla Grange, and only had a few starts, I think. Yeah, she didn't have a great number of starts because mm. she actually turned out to be a scalper, which, oh, okay. yeah, is a, I'm sure your, most your listeners would be familiar with, um, it's where they actually hit their back legs yeah, okay. with their front feet when they run. Mm. And, um, yeah, she had this kind of um, open gallop um, gait. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you call it deficiency, but... Yep. It didn't affect her with me yeah, at all. Probably only in that mm. full full gallop gait. Yeah, and I think maybe from the pictures that I had seen and maybe and what I've seen her kind of getting around, it might have been just being young. Yep. And you know, she's her body looks so different now yeah, well. compared to how she was, and she uses her body a lot differently now. And I guess yeah, you, as you said, you didn't have trouble with with that clipping or, or that scraping? No. No, I didn't. I didn't have any problem with it. I did compete her um, in some boots, but I never kind of realised, I never saw that there was any sort of rubbing or scraping on the boots. I never heard it when it was happening. So it wasn't, it, 
it was just a racing problem. It wasn't yeah. really a horse problem, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. So with your nutrition and your, your feed, we did do a diet for Gus and I think we basically transferred that over to Darlene because it's going in the same environment, the same care and same same training that you were going to put Gus through that you did with Darlene. And, and as you were familiar with the Send products, you felt comfortable with it and you sort of adjusted as the response was or, or seeked our advice um, to how Darlene responded to that new lower sugar and starch diet but also getting that energy into her to complete her training? Yeah, yeah. I really found that for Darlene, as opposed to Gus, I had a, a bit of appetite issues in the beginning with Gus. You know, it just he just couldn't kind of settle and it was really hard for him to finish his feed, which I'm thinking is not uncommon for off-the-track thoroughbreds. With Darlene, I really only had that issue, which I was prepared for, for about a week, and then she turned into an eating machine. (laughs) (laughs) You showed her the way. (laughs) Yeah, I showed her the way, and this was such a relief for me because I know the anxiety that it causes for a horse that can't finish their feed, won't Mm. finish their feed, feed take a hundred years to finish their feed and you're always watching with anxiety but I really only had that for about a week and honestly I I even messaged Brian and I was like I need to give this horse more feed she's licking it clean and and what do I up what do I do yeah, yeah. It, it re- <laughs> and it was such a relief it was such a it was a beautiful tr- like transformation to see yeah no, that, that's fantastic and that really highlights the fact that these off-the-track thoroughbreds, they're not all the same. So as you see, Gus and Darlene, we're not, we're not the same with their appetite and the way they, they came through. And we, we've really got to monitor each one as an individual and then work out what adjustments needed to be made. And Darlene was a very good doer as she had that appetite roaring for you. Yeah, she really did. And I almost felt like it was it was almost difficult for me to keep up with, with her amount of food interest, which was such a flip from like her first week. For everybody out there that probably doesn't realize, I don't actually have any grass because mm. I live in the middle of the desert. So for Sen to be able to support an off-the-track thoroughbred, not only an off-the-track thoroughbred in a coastal environment, but to be able to support an off-the-track thoroughbred that had just finished racing going straight into an unfamiliar training program, living in the desert, is unbelievable. It's one of the harshest environments and um, it's a bit of a, not trying to float her own boat, but a credit to our Send products. Try and simulate the nutrient profile of grass and pasture with that plant-based omega-3, but then also the really good fibre sources in the pellet, in the grain-free pellets. And I think... That, as you've outlined there, that, that is a very harsh environment for a horse, especially one that's come from a racetrack and to relearn everything. So, Brittany, you've, it, it's only, we're only one piece of the puzzle. You've got to be commended with your care and attention for her and the way you sort of manage those calories in to work output out, which is one of the basis of horse training so that they're fit inside and not not fat so if you want to take us through how those first few months with or first month with Darlene progressed so it was really interesting when I started working with with Darlene um 
I was kind of just treating her like any other horse. I didn't treat her like an off-the-track thoroughbred, yep. you know, because she wasn't going to be an off-the-track thoroughbred with me. She was going to be a ranch horse. So I tried not to treat her any differently than I would treat my own. And, you know, she got straight. She got bushed straight out into the paddock with um, with the herd. <laughs> she didn't live separately. Nice. Um, she had to learn how to forage. She had to learn her dynamics. And that, I think, really helped her mentally in her training as well because I didn't have to teach her how to traverse logs. I didn't have to teach her how to jump over a ditch. You know, I didn't have to teach her any of those things that a horse should naturally be able to um, explore in their own environment. And so it was really, um, it was a blessing for me to have this environment for her to live in as harsh and as kind of barren as it seems. It actually made her really strong and versatile and to not have to worry about her being hot or fizzy or mm. trying to control her mental state that might have been affected by, you know, high sugar, high starch feed. To not have to worry about that and yep. just realize that her mental state that she had now was a really good baseline. I just felt really comfortable. Every new experience that she had, you know, we had to put her on cattle. She had to learn how to muster. She had to learn how to use her body in a completely different way and for me to be able to do that with the comfort to know that that the her feed situation and her living situation was one thing that I didn't have to worry about was such a was such a relief and I think it really did help her you know um by the time the competition came around she stood outside that big indoor with with all these crowds cheering and all this music blaring and she just stood there like she was standing at the gate. Like she'd been doing it for a few years. Yeah. She honestly was like an old hand yeah, and I wow. think it was just this whole combination of this holistic approach to yeah. her, her change in lifestyle. Yeah. It was such a big change for her, you know, going from that high pressure in a metro racing environment to, you know, this, yeah. which is so strange for a thoroughbred. <laughs> It really was a testament to also the thoroughbreds' grit, yep. their versatility, their hardiness. You know, if we allow them to do these things, and don't get me wrong, there were there were days when she had to try and <laughs> she had to try and traverse single wire fences. She'd never seen a single wire fence before, mm. like a plain single wire electric fence. She'd never seen one before, but I had to trust that she'd figure that out. It was a big lifestyle change for her, but um, ultimately I think it's what really helped her through to success in the in the end because yep. she was just so exposed. She was so confident. She was so calm. She was just a pleasure. Yeah, I think you basically sum it up, but it's many pieces of puzzle when training these off-the-track thoroughbreds our nutrient profile is trying to promote a better temperament but also better inner health overall through better digestion and more efficiency with that and your training and environment but i think your environment has to play a big part in this and yeah and horses really reflect on their rider or their their carer and and to see you guys in the videos when you're about to perform and the calmness that, that you you show, well, maybe you weren't as calm as Darlene, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just 
just amazing to see. Yeah, you know, the funny thing was is that um, I think because I because she was so calm on the day, it hadn't been like that leading up to it. Mm. You know, like I had definitely did have some struggles with her, but because she was so calm on the day, I was feeding off her, she was feeding off me, and the strangest thing is and the strangest experience that I had at that competition, which I had never had before, was that I was really able to be present. I think before in many different types of competition, you know, I grew up in pony club and show jumping, so I'm not a stranger to sort of a bit more high level, high pressure. I had never been able to be present because I'd been so worried about all the things that could go wrong, all the things I had to remember. What is that person thinking of me? What is that person thinking of my horse? You know, are we going to be able to get over this or through that? Yeah, true. I didn't have those anxieties. And so I was actually able to ride around and be present. And there's a few pictures of me and I really love them. You know, they don't seem like much to anyone else, but I'm like smiling, I'm looking around. And I compare that to old competition photos of myself where my horses were off their face. And, you know, I was just struggling to stay, to keep it all together. My mouth was always drawn and I always had this really scowly look on my face and I was in like deep concentration. These times I just look like I'm having a ball because I seriously was. Yeah. Mm. It was was a great experience. That's so fantastic to hear. And I think for every trainer that even entered the event with their off the track thoroughbred, it's got to be a really proud achievement, like win, lose or draw for them because... For an off-the-track thoroughbred to be transformed in that time frame, it's just so much pressure on them and the trainer. And I think everyone has to be commended in that. But it's so nice to hear that you, you could actually enjoy and soak up that experience. Yes, yeah. It was a huge journey and I'm not going to downplay that. You know, it was a 100 days of every day I woke up, I was thinking about Darlene. I was yeah. thinking... Has she survived the, the night? Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has she survived the night? Being a horse. In, in, yeah, being a horse. Yeah. yeah. Has is she going to come in for water? You know, she had to walk about twenty k's in for water every day. Yeah. You know, um, and then when she was in, I'd be like, okay, what do we have to get done today? And all the other trainers, I'm sure that we were all in the same boat, and we all said to each other, the outcome on the day is irrelevant. Mm. You know, and. Although I can say, yes, I came away with co-champion um, with one of the other trainers who was also off a station, which I'm really proud to to say that. Yeah, um, yeah us, us bush girls, and we thought that we were the we thought we <laughs> the were underdogs. such under. Yeah, we seriously did. We were like, what are we even doing here? We don't even we don't even belong here. Like with all the bling and the everything, but mm. it was so beautiful to take that away with Jane. But you know. We all were like behind each other and beside each other for those 100 days and quite a few of us had second horses because mm. our first horses didn't quite make it and it was such an emotional roller coaster. So you're right, the outcome on the day didn't matter yeah, and it, we made lifelong friends. Yeah, and it's, it's priceless memories like that that you'll look back on, as you said. Yeah, and to really show... Um, the versatility of the thoroughbred, which was the whole premise of the event. You know, we all went in there because we love thoroughbreds. Yep. And yes, we might be, 
not your typical show jumpers or eventers or dressage riders, but it doesn't mean that we don't have a soft spot in our heart for the thoroughbred. A lot of us grew up riding off the track thoroughbreds and it was the very crux of the event to show that these horses that, you know, people just bet on for a quick flutter at the pub or whatever, mm. they are more than that. And they are also more than just your pony club horse. They are more than just your dressage horse or your eventing horse. They can do amazing things that you would not even expect. And that was the crux of the event, I think, that kept us all going because we all wanted to show how amazing these horses can be in a place that someone wouldn't expect them to succeed in. Yeah. So that was why we all it all helped us through that big motto, that big drive to get to get these wonderful horses that are often wasted mm. through to that end goal. Just getting them there was a huge achievement for all of us. You know, for for Jane, she travelled like twenty five hundred Ks wow. to get to the event. And I travelled about fifteen hundred Ks to get to the event. And just to be able to make it mm. <laughs> even yeah. even not uh even if we the outcome wasn't like what we wanted to get there was was just a massive achievement in in itself and all the girls should be amazingly proud of what they achieved yeah I 100% agree and I think you originally linked us also with Tanya Krauss who was another ambassador for Sen at the event and I can remember in her podcast she said I'm not going to sacrifice this horse just to get a result in the event and obviously Ginger Coops didn't cope with the pressures as well but given that 100 days training you can't expect every horse to come through with an outstanding ability in ranching and you've got to give them no, that opportunity that's right and you know although we all started with an off-the-track thoroughbred and we all had 100 days and it sounds like a level playing field it's not no. because tanya's horse ginger coops had been through multiple trainers yeah had been on multiple yeah. tracks, had raced a multiple amount of times. You know, his history was a heck of a lot deeper and a heck of a lot more complicated I'll, I'll than Darlene. I'll be honest with you, I was worried. Yeah. <laughs> when I talked yeah, to her. exactly. Like she, like she had, her challenge was far greater than yeah. I was lucky to get little old four-year-old Darlene that yep. had had 11 starts and had been pampered her whole life yes. and you know it it is such a mixed bag and yeah. all those girls all came into it and now all of our horses work at different places and mentally at different places physically at different places and so for all of us to be able to just get our horses there was a such a massive 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 journey you know I think back and I think back to Gus my first horse that went lame, and I felt I, I, I was very sad. I had I had envisaged me and Gus, you know, I had this mental picture of of us together. And when he didn't make it, I sort of grieved. And now I look back and I think, well, Gus had been through, you know, a fair mm. few different trainers. He'd been through two truck crashes. Yeah, one wow. was a truck crash, and one was a truck rollover. <laughs> you know. Um, what sort of baggage do those horses bring to the yeah. table? Yeah. And we're not all starting at the beginning. No. So that's, 
that is really something to consider. And Tanya, she probably almost had the biggest challenge of them all, I would say. Yeah. Uh, she, Her horse had a very checkered path. Mm. And only Tanya, I think, could have got him there. Yeah, her Same. persistence is just yeah. unwavering and, and wanting the best for the horse and, and yeah. leaving no stone unturned. Yes, and that's what we almost had to be like. Mm. We had to be like to get them there, to get them safe, to get them sound, to, to show their best side, to try and help minimize any of the baggage that they were bringing from their previous life and yep. to help maximize their current abilities, yep. we had to be unwavering. Yep. No, absolute credit to, to all the trainers. And, yeah, it's just it's just a remarkable achievement for all. Yeah, we, yeah. we hope that this, this will take off in yep. the fact that just the – the event will continue. Race to Ranch is going to be bigger and better next year. Mm. And I'm proud to be in the the first year, but honestly, it'll be bigger and better. So everybody out there, if you, if you are interested, I, I guarantee it's a journey and an, a challenge that you would you will not regret doing. Yes. But I really hope that the mindset around this um, challenge and around this will continue the yes. fact that these horses are not a waste product. They're not something that's, that's for five minutes of fame and then yeah. that's it. That they do have, and with the right holistic care, yeah. you know, with with people like Sen on yeah. board, these horses can thrive. They don't, they don't have to have that, you know, post-race lull and, you know, they really can thrive and they really can look really great. But looking at them as a horse, as a whole, you know, their mental state, the way, the environment that they live, the things that they're exposed to, the food that they eat, the nutrition that they receive, that is what is going to get these horses to the to the, their best. And if it's competing in something like Race to Ranch, yeah. looking at them as a holistic being is what's going to get them there. No, 100% agree. Can't echo that enough, Brittany, because... Um the, the industry has very many variables, in, including veterinary treatment that we do know of, yeah. and we're trying to get back to the naturalness, but also trying to teach trainers, even Australia-wide, to try and get back to basics to see how a horse is built physiology from the inside, and you can get high performance from a horse in, in every discipline by feeding to that, that system, and that's what we try and promote at SEN. And I think... Another thing is the racing association and authorities like Racing New South Wales and Racing Queensland need to step up a little bit more. Like they do have a lot of funds put aside for these type of types of things, but really helping support the trainers like financially is, is another big step that should be undertaken and, and highlighting the event even more. Yes, I, I really agree. You know, we were really thankful for Racing Queensland to have put up some prize money for Race to Ranch. That's good. Um, but something that I would have loved to see is I would have loved to see them there, yes. at least and a representative from the racing industry to see what their horses have achieved. Yep. You know, although it's past racing, it, it's they're still a product of, of the racing industry. And it would have been so amazing that they could have seen with their own eyes, like, 
what their horses have done and what their horses can do and that it matters. It really does matter. And so I really hope that with us and with people like you guys backing us, being on the ground floor, that this will be something that will continue. And, you know, the thoroughbred makeovers in the States are huge and they matter. And I think that we need to really, and and the racing industry really needs to see that these horses do matter after racing and they can matter. And it only benefits everybody. It only increases their post-racing prospects. It only increases their post-racing value. And that benefits everybody. To have a diverse market for them to move into after they finish racing, not just pony club hacking eventing show jumping or dressage, but also mm. this has opened up a whole new door and that only benefits everybody as well. So it'd be great to see. It would be really great to see that um, this becomes a lot more known about and a lot more mainstream. Yeah, I think comparing about five years ago with the racing industry, it's a, it's made a massive steps forward and I really hope it continues uh, with, yes. with the support. I do. I, I do. And... Um, we all know it, and I'm sure most of your clients know how good these horses can be yep. and how much they have to offer. And it's just these initiatives continuing yep. that will only help that ha- to happen better, more. Yeah, 100%. Brittany, I think we'll just change the tack for a second and just highlight how even more remarkable your achievement is. And you did highlight on a Facebook post that while you competed in the Race to Ranch event, you were 18 weeks pregnant. <laughs> yes. And I, I, just yeah. from a personal standpoint, that's absolutely amazing. I think that's a real show of strength and courage to follow through and still compete and, and be strong enough to, to go through that event. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I... Uh, I I was really conflicted about um, kind of sharing it when I found out I was pregnant and I thought, well, if this was any other day, it wouldn't matter. But I'm actually, I have these commitments and I have these people that rely on me and these people that are helping me and, and looking up to me and backing me and I can't let them down. And I was really worried about competing whilst pregnant. I thought... What are people going to think? What are, what you know, are, are people going to support me? Are they going to um, ridicule me? And I was just kind of consumed about that. And I had a really good friend. She chatted to me and she said, "People are going to, people are going to ridicule you no matter what you do. So if you want to, go ahead." And I never considered pulling out for for a second. I did worry what people would say or think. Um, you know, one of the craziest things I look back now and I think, whoa, why did you even worry about that? Was I had a friend who really generously gave me some shirts to compete in. And I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to fit into the shirts that she gave me. And that was one of the hugest concerns <laughs> that I had, which is really funny when I think back. Like, I was just worried about not fitting into some shirts, like really. And I didn't fit into the shirts. So. <laughs> um, but it, it, honestly, I just thought, like, people are going to, like, people are going to have an opinion about me, a positive or negative, either way. And I can't change 
that. So I'm just going to go along. And you know what? I had nothing but positivity on the day. I had nothing but support. You know, I had so many people come up to me and go, wow, like, are you really pregnant? Oh, my goodness. Mm. Good on you. You're amazing. Wow. I could never do that. And every time someone came up to me and said, I could never do that, I came back and I said, well, you could if you want to. And and I really made sure that I said you could if you want to because I never wanted to make it like, like, well, you can and you should. No one should do anything that they don't want to do. But I wanted to... Yeah, but I wanted to reply and say, but it, but if it is something that you want to do, I'm doing it, and you can too. And that's a bit of a different, a bit of a different sort of vibe than. So I, I am doing it, so you should too. Yeah. I didn't want that. I just wanted it. Well, if you felt like you wanted to, I'm showing you that you can. Yeah, and obviously the health side of everything, it's everyone's an individual, as as we say that about horses too, but people have that free choice to obviously progress and do exercise while pregnant and this is another form of exercise and if you're healthy you're mentally right and you're determined you can do it there's no rule that you shouldn't that is exactly right and you know I checked in with myself every day you know Brittany how are you going how are you feeling how's your belly feeling how's your body feeling do you need to stretch? Yep. You know, what What do you need? Do you need a rest today? You know, I, I checked in with myself. I didn't sacrifice my own health to keep riding. I didn't sacrifice my own comfort to keep riding. But I actually felt really good. And I didn't ride. I've had, I've had two other children before, and I didn't ride this far up to my pregnancy, mainly because I didn't have to. But this time I had to. But I probably didn't have to. I probably could have said, no, I'm not going to ride anymore. But... I, I wanted to, and I actually felt great. I was never worried about Darlene ever, and that's something to really consider. And I know everybody says horses are unpredictable. You never know when you're going to fall off. You know, be careful, all of that. But to to be completely honest, I probably wouldn't have ridden my own horse after having a massive spell and then just get on while I'm pregnant. I probably wouldn't do that. But Darlene was a different kettle of fish. You know, she... She'd been in work for that whole time and she was still in work for that whole time. Nothing had changed for her. And I felt really safe. She was she was giving me those strong, steady, capable vibes and I went with that. I was I was happy with that. And not once did I feel that just me being pregnant would change those vibes and, and it didn't. I never once did I feel worried on her or thinking, oh, what if I fall off? I never worry about that. So um, that was a that was a, a blessing. Someone told me something recently and they said, Well, you know, they don't they don't really let thoroughbreds race that like bark or <laughs> that are a bit roguish. So like just just realise that we've kind of bred those traits out of thoroughbreds now. And um and just to know that she really had that level head Yep. Especially because she wasn't hot on her feed, you know, and and she really had that good grounding. I felt comfortable the whole way, but I really did check in with myself and my horse and my body throughout the whole experience. You really use your intuition with, well, that intuition from a horse and a rider, that you can feel that calmness come through her, and 
you're reading a vibe or reading the energy of the horse and getting to know her the, in the best way, you're the only one to make that judgment and it shouldn't be anyone else trying to judge on top of that because this this is a free choice country and um, that's that's the way it should should always be for everyone's personal belief or, or personal way they want to approach things in life. Yeah, and I feel like as a woman who's carrying a baby, no one is going to be more concerned about your health and your safety than yourself. So if a woman is comfortable making that choice and if she's comfortable, you know, with the, her decision, your concern is is no never mind to her because she, whatever concern you have, she's probably already had a thousand. <laughs> yeah. So, and if she has allayed those concerns and if she has made those those choices and she has she feels comfortable with them, then you should too because... Because I, I can guarantee she probably keeps herself awake at night, checking her boxes, making sure that, you know, everything's A1 because nobody wants her to be more safe than herself. Yeah, 100% agree. So, Brittany, <laughs> moving along in time here, um, I'll probably just finish off and just congratulate you again and even even more so with the circumstances of your time frame but also being pregnant and, and everything like that. It's just just amazing to see and amazing to to read but the latest with Darlene is that you have made the option or have gone down the path of putting her up for sale yeah I did I didn't actually do that lightly um because I felt like I'd made such a bond with her over the over the hundred days, I felt like we'd almost gone to war together. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I felt like she was my like partner. She had my back, yeah. and I. Someone actually approached me on the last day of the competition and said, "Will she be for sale?" And I just looked mm. at them and I burst into tears <laughs> <laughs> because because I just couldn't think about it at yeah. that time. It was she had just she had just done so much for me yeah. at that competition and throughout the hundred days that I couldn't consider it but I really thought about it and I thought there was a couple of reasons one I'm going to have a baby and I would really like to see her continue her journey I feel like her journey had just begun and for her to then be turned out into the paddock and have to start from scratch again kind of I, I didn't really feel like that would have been the best choice for her um, and the other thing was is that I really believe in the race to ranch concept. You know, if if we all 10 trainers, if we all got these beautiful off-the-track thoroughbreds and we took them through this massive challenge and then we kept them, which is great because honestly couldn't think of better homes for them to go to, we do not show or do not reflect the value that we have put into them by making them a marketable product that could then be a flow-on effect for other horses to follow yeah, in the same suit. Yeah. So I I felt like if I advertise her and, and if she does go to a home, she has a value, she has a market, and she will pave the way for others to do the same. Yeah, 100%, and change that culture and bring more yeah. avenues for more racehorses post-life. Yeah, and I think my ad probably looks so strange 
because really she doesn't fit at any mold, does she? She doesn't. She's like a thoroughbred, but in the pictures, she's wearing this Western saddle, which is just such a weird thing for anyone to consider. But the more they see that, the less weird it will be and the more acceptable thoroughbreds entering disciplines non-traditionally, that the more it would just be normal. But at the moment, it looks strange. So I'm really hoping to change that culture. Yeah, it'll be amazing. Yeah. Really amazing. So I think that about wraps this one up, Brittany. We're nearly, we're pushing up to the hour. So. Oh, thank you, guys. It's been such a, an amazing conversation. It's been an amazing journey. I, I just really want to thank you guys for having my back the whole way. You yeah. know, it, it, it felt like the longest. For some days it felt like I would never make it (laughs) to the end. And to have people like you just unquestionably, unquestionably, unwaveringly supporting and believing, even when sometimes I didn't believe it myself, was was priceless. And and I meant it when I when I said to everybody, you know, your feed is great and I could never ever go back to anything else. But your customer service and your support for your horse people is yeah. second to none. And it's Thank none you. that I had ever, I've never experienced it Thank through you. anyone, any other company before. And this is not a sales plug. <laughs> this is just a genuine thank you for believing in people and believing in horses, believing in your product, but believing in it because you know it's right. Yes. And that, that is, that was something that was invaluable. And you guys were the first ones to back me. You were the first ones to just put your hand straight up and say yes. And for a little girl from the bush, that was pretty intimidating. But um, I, I, I can't thank you guys enough. No, we can't thank you enough for giving us the opportunity, highlighting the event, even linking us with Tanya, and also just showcasing what it can, what you can do with these off-the-track thoroughbreds because we are very passionate about helping the whole thoroughbred industry but also other horse breeds as well. But we try and support as many as we can of these events and try and spread it around because it does get a bit hectic here with the inquiries. But, Brittany, I think, I think the first conversation I had with you on the phone, you, you were very positive, you had a very good energy and, and you wanted the best for Gus at the time and being also familiar with the Send products, it was just an easy team up to happen. Oh, thanks guys. Yeah. It, it was, it was a, a great thing to be a part of. And, um, you know, everyone hears of all the top riders and, you know, all the top successful people, you know, getting, getting all the things. And I thought, well, worth a shot and (laughs) and uh, yeah you guys took a chance on me and uh, I really appreciate it and Tanya too like I was so glad that that like there was more than one fan ambassador there because I really believe in the products and I really believe that you guys have your heart in the right place which is not always true for like everyone in in the industry so and I really felt like you guys we just had the same vibe we just had the same insights we just had the same goal so I I really thank you guys for your help 
yeah, it's been really good synergy between us, and it's we're really proud to say that the inaugural race to ranch winner was powered by San, and it was yeah, yeah, and we and and we went into it win, lose or draw. It's just an amazing achievement and an amazing journey for everyone, and yeah, we'll bring on next year, I think. So yeah, bring on next year for sure. I can't wait. I'll be involved, so. You know, I'll be on in some capacity. I'll be involved um, with with the trainers that get through. So everybody, keep an eye on your socials yeah. for the applications that will open, and um, we'll be have a pretty strict screening process for the trainers that will be in. But it'll be even bigger and better next year. And like, I can't wait to see you guys if it works out to be yeah. involved again, um, because it's something that. Um, that is really great and it's we're going to make a change. I know it. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, Brittany. And if you do want to inquire about Darlene, who Brittany is offering up for sale, you can get in contact with her through the social medias. Uh, yep. She's got her own page and, yeah, Brittany will have a good chat to you because she only wants a really good home for her. Yeah, for sure. I'm... Um Oh, she, she's a, she's amazing. Yeah. She is. She honestly is. She broke my mare drought. I hadn't had a mare for, <laughs> oh, going on 12 years before I had her. I thought, what am I in for? But, oh, man, she's, she's been amazing. So, yeah, get in touch if you're interested. Um, but, yeah, thanks, Sen. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, all of you guys. You, you are you are being the change, which is amazing. No, thanks. Thanks so much, Brittany. And, all the best in the next coming months for the new Thanks. arrival. And, um, Thank you. We, we will no doubt be in touch. So we'll, we'll yeah. wrap this up today, guys. And, yeah, thanks again, Brittany. And reach out to us through our social medias and email, even the, the Send HQ. And we will be back with another episode next week. Cheers.